Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Inside NBA Sports Podcast. I'm Tyler James, and I'm joined once again by the one and only Eric Hansen. Together, we cover Notre Dame football, recruiting, and more for InsideNDSports.com on the Rivals Network. The end of spring football is near. The Irish are through 12 of their 15 practices. We'll take a break this weekend for Easter and then play the Blue Gold game the following Saturday, April 23rd. A prevalent storyline this spring has been wide receiver, um, so we want to keep that theme again this week. So this time we're, we invited on the lone wide receiver signee in Notre Dame's 2022 class, four-star recruit Tobias Merriweather. Tobias is finishing his senior year at Union High School in Camas, Washington, before making his way to South Bend in June. Tobias, thanks for joining us. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Just to start, Tobias, how are things going in the final months of your senior year, and what are you doing to uh, prepare for Notre Dame? Uh, right now it's track season. You know, just got off a of spring break last week, so took a nice vacation, a little break, but now it's back to the track to finish out the season. And what what did the vacation entail for you? Like, was it a I'm working out kind of vacation, or or had you done enough of that and you got to relax a little bit? Uh, I'd say a lot of both. You know, I'd wake up every morning, <laughs> work out, but make sure I get my fun still too. Is, does your dad work with your track team or does he work with somebody else's track team? He's our sprints coach. Okay. So, cause I saw his tweet and he said, I want to see who's been working during their spring break. So what would his report be on you? Uh, I mean, I would probably say that I worked the hardest on the team. I okay. Like that. Might not be true, but I like to think it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tobias, what, what events in track are you uh, participating in this spring? Um, this spring, I'm doing all the sprints, so 100, 200, 400, and then relays, 4x1, uh, 4x4. Four four. And and go ahead, Tyler. To give people an idea of what sort of speed you have, what are sort of your goals for those distances this season? Um, it's been kind of a slow year. I've been fighting a little hamstring injury, just making sure I don't want it to um, nag me, so I'm just letting it heal, but I've only ran once. But uh, last year, my PRs were 10.95 for the 100. Um, what was it? 20, 21.9 uh, for the two. And then 49 something for the four. So hoping to break those in the next few weeks. That sounds good. So when does your track season run through? When's the state meet? Is that in June? I'm pretty sure it's in May, May 25th, I believe. Okay. And, and how does track and – I know Mickens, the cornerbacks coach, loves track guys. How do you feel like running track this spring will help prepare you to step into your Notre Dame football career in June? I think just speed-wise, I've always been a speedster on the field. Um, whether it looks like I'm moving that fast or not on film because of my long legs, uh, mm -hmm. you'll see me running past guys. So I've always been um, – working on my speed, turning it faster. But, I mean, hopefully I'm just, I hit the ground running there. Uh, probably being a little bit lighter side, you know. It's hard to stay heavy when you're running a lot. But uh, I think it was more just about having fun, finishing my senior year, than it was about necessarily um, just getting there. Because, I mean, if I was trying to be there at my prime, I don't think I'd be running track. <laughs> Tobias, what – what do you believe are the keys to you having a chance to play early at Notre Dame? We know the depth chart will have opportunities for that potentially. What do you think, what are you sort of focusing on to make sure that that is a possibility for you? 
I mean, yeah, with uh, with Joe getting hurt, that opens a lot of opportunities. I mean, hopefully he gets a, a speedy recovery, but, I mean, that's a that's hard to bounce back from. So, I mean, whether he was hurt or not, I would come and compete, try to earn my spot. And, I mean, that's nothing has changed. I'm going to get there and do whatever I can to get on the field as much as I can. Tobias, how plugged in are you to what they're doing in spring practice every day, and, and how do you – go about trying to stay plugged in? Uh, I talked to Coach Stuckey, you know, a few times a week, and then we make sure to get our, our Zoom in, our Zoom call for, a, you know, playbook install, whatever they did that, that week. Uh, make sure to get our playbook time in. And then just keeping up with the boys. Uh, I know there's not really a lot of – I mean, I'm the only receiver commit in our class, but just talking to guys like Lorenzo and them just seeing what there's, what's going on, keeping up with them. What – Tobias, what, what do you think will be the bigger hurdle for you as a freshman, the physical demands of playing or the, the knowledge of the playbook and what that entails? Um, oh, that's a good question. I think uh-huh. I think maybe physically because, I mean, I used to play quarterback, so I'm pretty locked in on concepts and schemes, and uh, Coach Stuckey's been good, done a good job helping me get there. But I think just playing that next level, just seeing the jump from, you know, college, I mean, high school to college would just be – a big jump for me, but at the same time, I think I'm ready for it and I'll be ready for it. How, how do, how are you able to help kind of gauge that? I know you had did the all-star circuit in January and so forth, but how do you get a sense of how, what the jump is going to be like for you? I mean, yeah, the all-star game was kind of a good gauge for me. I feel like I did really good that week. Um, but I think just watching film, watching college film saying, you know, it's hard to tell exactly. Um, yeah the physical physicality level, but I think just getting the gauge of it, just seeing what I can do, like, you know, seeing um, guys like some Ohio State receivers, even like Dion and Zoe, what they did last year, um, just looking at them and just seeing what I can do to mimic and play like them just so I'm ready to – what I, I can, like, try and see it, get into my get in my brain what it's going to look like, but then just getting after it will be, you know, what I got to do next. And are you, from a measurement standpoint, are you 6'4", 6'5", or somewhere in between? Honestly, I don't know. I really don't know. Okay. I, I, everyone says I, I'm like, I would be like, I'm six, four. And everyone's like, no, you're six, five. And then like, all right, I'm six, five. And then like, you're six, six. I'm like, I think I, so somewhere <laughs> in that range, I think I, I, if it's up to me, I'd say I'm six, five, but honestly, I think I'm a little bit under that. And where are you weight wise? Oh, uh, weight wise right now around 195. Is it, that's, that's a jump from January, isn't it? Um, January, I was 193. Okay, so it's like, um, <laughs> yeah. see, I, I noticed, is that where you want to be, though? Is that where, when you roll in in June, is that you want to be 195? Yeah, when I roll in, I'll probably be, hopefully I can get to 200 before, but somewhere in between 195 and 200, probably play around 205 or something like that, 205, so. Tobias, you mentioned Coach Stuckey and keeping in touch with him. What? What has been your impression of him as you've gotten to know him over the past few couple months? And uh, what has he done to sort of impress you? Why, why do you think he can be a, a helpful coach for you when you get to Notre Dame? I think him, uh, well, first impressions was just like the day he got hired, he was basically here uh, the next day. <laughs> yeah. And so that was good to see just uh, kind of fill him out. We had a lunch and it was just nice to talk to him. But I mean, it's honestly been hard for me. Um, after, you know, getting recruited so hard by Coach Dell for the last few years. Uh, I mean, yeah, for the last few years, actually. And then uh, 
seeing how that went down. But I mean, I welcome him. I welcome him in, trying to embrace that and just. I know he can do a lot for me. You know, he's uh, coaching guys like T. Higgins and some good Baylor receivers. So I know that he can do a lot for me and help me get to the next level. And I have to ask what was served for lunch just because of the dinner <laughs> at your house caught much <laughs> attention. <laughs> we actually went out to you. We went to uh, this place called Screen Door over in Portland. So, okay. Yeah. Did I mean, I would imagine your schedule doesn't allow for you to get to Notre Dame between now and June that you're just, you'll just move in in June. Yeah. I was going to try to make it to the spring game, but uh, we ended up getting into this uh, invite track meet, big one, Oregon relay. So that's a big meet that I don't really want to miss. So we're not going to be able to make it, but I'll be, make sure I'm ready to go in June when I get there. Tobias, uh, you mentioned coach Alexander uh, briefly there. I, a lot of times when there's coaching changes, we sort of, focus on the new coach um, and maybe how he's different from the old coach. And uh, I think some people want to say, well, how is he better than the old coach as well? But uh, from your perspective, what, what did you like about coach Alexander? And I'm curious, how, how do you, what sort of communication did you have with him as he was going through this process of not coming back to Notre Dame and, and keeping in touch with you? And I, I would imagine probably wishing you the best with your future. Yeah. Um, I mean, we got really close, you know, he's probably one of the reasons I committed. And to be completely honest, um, just uh, we turned to almost like family a little bit. My dad still talks to him a lot. Uh, he's just a good guy. And he helped me understand Notre Dame's culture, I feel like, because that was the one thing I didn't really like. I couldn't really get a grasp of, I think. But I think he just helped me understand, like, that's a family culture, rather whether he's there or not. And then uh, after he's really – after he got going, he hasn't really talked to me. He said, no, good luck. And um, obviously he didn't want to leave, but – He's just, he's been uh, just a good person, I think. I don't like to, I know there's a lot of, there's been a lot of bass on him um, even before he left, you know, so I mean, right. no one, I don't think anyone could ever like question his character though, you know. As a recruit, you know, how, especially when it's somebody you're close with, how difficult is that to kind of see that um, and, I, you know, I, I think you can see it without having your antenna up too high. I mean, it was yeah. it was really out there. So, yeah. so what's that like to deal with? Uh, I think I kind of expected it. Um, okay. Not expected it, but I knew it could happen. And it was a good possibility to happen. And um, at the end of the day, it's a business. People get paid a lot of money to do this, um, to, get, to be a coach, to, you know, the people up or that hire the coaches, they get paid a lot of money and they have, expectations that they have to meet so I mean that's what it is at the end of the day and they always say don't fall in love with the coaches fall in love with the school fall in love with you know the team so I mean at the end of the day that's what saved me probably from uh making a different choice as you were getting close to signing day and you see guys like CJ Williams and Amari and Walker leave the class what was your reaction to that was that did that surprise you or were you sort of expecting that as well um with CJ, we were close, so I knew it was coming. Um, I knew he was going to SC. We talked a lot. We always talked a lot, um, kept in mm -hmm. touch. So I, I'd hate to see it, but I knew it was coming. And then with the Marion, I didn't really talk to him. I, even since uh, I committed and he was already committed, I never really talked to him. We never really had, like, a close relationship. But I heard everyone saying he's going to go to a different school. Everyone's saying he's going to go to Florida, I think. 
at one point. He ended up at Michigan, though. But, I mean, that's more opportunity for me, though, at the end of the day. Sure. Speaking of opportunities, I know that a lot of fans are concerned because they see the numbers going down and they say, hey, how about the portal? How about the portal? Um, yeah. How do you feel if Notre Dame adds from the portal? Or do you feel like, you know, you're going to be enough uh, of an addition that they won't need to add to their numbers? Um, selfishly, mm -hmm. I would say that I'll be enough. Um, okay. <laughs> I put the work in, you know, I will put the work in when I get there. I think that I'm good enough to play um, and play at a high level, produce at a high level, help the team out. But um, at the end of the day, that's not my call to make. And if they think that'll make the team better, um, I'm not going to shy away from competition there. Like if he comes, whoever it is from the portal and I'm coming, I mean, we're going to battle for that spot and he's going to have to prove that he's better than me at the end of the day. Tobias, you're certainly a confident player. I'm curious, when in your football career, career did that confidence sort of develop? Was that something that came pretty quickly to you or is that something that developed for you later on? Um, I think that I've always been pretty confident in my abilities. You know, that's just how I was raised, I think, by my parents, just to be confident and know that. I mean, especially if you put the work in. I've always put the work in, so I feel like if you don't cheat the grind, don't cheat yourself, you know. I work all the hours, so I'm going to be confident in what I've done, what I've put in the bank, what I've got to offer. Uh, speaking of what you have to offer, what do you think you'll have to offer outside of football? What interests you in life outside of football? I'm kind of curious. Um, I'm really interested in psychology, actually. Um, I'm going to study that when I get there, but I want to be a um, sports psychologist if I, you know, as a backup plan, obviously, i got to have one of those. Um, yeah. I think there's an opening for one at Notre Dame right now. <laughs> Is there actually? Because I've talked to the the one we have there, but I don't know if she if she's still there or not. I haven't talked to her since uh, summer. I don't think she's still there. Amber Selking. I think they're looking to um, bring somebody in. So maybe you could, uh, maybe that could be your NIL or something. Speaking, <laughs> of, speaking of NIL, have you done any research with that in terms of what you want to get going when you get to college? Uh, me personally, I haven't really, but my dad I know has been um, on top of it. Uh, he's told me just not to work, worry about it, just worry about playing, um, worry about getting better. Um, so he's really taking charge there. And uh, I'm not sure what deals he's got in, in mind or planned out already, but whatever happens, I know we'll probably be in a good position to make some good deals, hopefully some barbecue deals. That seems pretty easy to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, dads are allowed to do NIL. Your dad's going to clean up. I'm I'm the first <laughs> in line to go try the burn ends. I'm a big burn ends fan. So. <laughs> well, he uh, you saw the you see the tweet he made. Uh, oh, was it the 23 uh, TSU game? Right. Oh yeah. Okay. The, yeah, he said he's going to have the um, the party out before the game. So if you make it there, it might be some burn ends. <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> so speaking of the burn ends i mean that story really sort of traveled fast that it, it didn't it didn't really take long after the news of brian kelly leaving for lsu that that folks started to hear that he was with your family right before that did, did, yeah in, in those moments did you realize like how big of a story that would become or did that sort of sort of overwhelm you at some point like wow everyone everyone knows what happened with me and brian kelly um i think i didn't really think about it until uh, 
the next few days or the next day when I just see Twitter and then comes out in our local newspaper and I'm like, everyone at school talking to me about it. I see people at uh, the store and they're like, aren't you the guy? I'm like, yeah, I am that guy. <laughs> and uh, it really blew up, but I'm really bothered me. At, I mean, that's just more, more eyes on me. So that's fine. Um, when did, when did you really get to form a relationship with Marcus? Because obviously he was a defensive coordinator, so he wasn't yeah. recruiting you. So how, how did that come together with the two of you? Uh, I think, well, right after that happened, like the next weekend or the next, I want to say the next weekend, it might've been two weeks, but we, we all had that, um, our second visit, our second official, because we had a new head coach. So, I mean, we all went down there, spent a lot of time together. We just kicked it. Um, Spent a lot of time, like, dinners with Coach Freeman. And uh, we've been talking a little bit after that. But, I mean, the players love him. I mean, already there. Um, even before he was head coach. So, I mean, he's a great guy. How reassuring was that weekend? I, I've covered recruiting for a while. I had never heard of that rule before. So, I thought it was kind of neat that, that you guys were able to do that. How much do you feel like that helped you guys that maybe were, like, a little bit uncertain and then you figured you probably wanted to stick with Notre Dame, but that sort of reassured, okay, I'm making the right choice here. I think that, or particularly in our class, um, a lot of us, it's a lot, it's a heavy defensive class. I feel like, so like most of those guys were already like, we're not going nowhere. Like no second thoughts. Cause they already knew him and they already knew that he's like a good guy, good recruiter. And just, they're like, yeah, they didn't even hesitate, but I know for some of the offense guy, it's like, I seen his face, but like, who, who is that? You know? Um, so, I mean, it was really reassuring just to see him. Um, I know personally there was, like, a lot going on in my brain, just like, is this still where I want to be? Is this exactly what I want to do? Just uh, taking it slow, though. I didn't want to make any hasty decisions and, like, decommitting off the bat. Um, I think we only lost one guy, though. So, I mean, props to him. Obviously, he has to be doing something right already. Last one for me, Tobias. Do you – keep in touch with some of the other guys that are going to be arriving in June, like Emil and, and Eli and those guys. Do, do you keep in touch with those guys at all? Yeah, I think my strongest connections on the team are uh, uh, who have, who aren't already there. My strongest connection on the team is probably Nolan, uh, who's already there, but uh, that hasn't came yet. Coming in June is uh, me and Mill and uh, Holden. We stayed together at the, the Poly Bowl, so we got really close there, and uh, we got our own group chat going, and we always just seemed to like, little memes or like something about the team or like really just dumb stuff. And we always keep in touch, but those are my guys really. Well, all right, Tobias, that's all we have for you. We really appreciate you taking time talking to us after track today. Um, and sure. good luck with the rest of your track season. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. And if you get your own podcast, it won't surprise me. You're awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> it. All right. Now it's time for questions. You can submit questions to us on Twitter or on the Insider Lounge message board before every podcast. I'm at TJamesND and Eric's at EHansonND. First question is from Marie Biafore at Biafore underscore Marie. Now that quarterback Christopher Vizina is off the table, who committed to Clemson today, it seems like it is a Dante Moore or bust approach. Are you concerned about this, and where do you go if Moore goes elsewhere? How do you entice another quarterback if Moore – drags out his decision to end to the end of summer. I'm telling you what, if Kyle Kelly gets, has an extended vacation, we're bringing Marie on. She asks good questions about recruiting. Those are the questions I would have. Um, and I think, you know, Notre Dame tried to keep Christopher Vizina 
interested and invested, but unless they were going to push for him and make him the number one priority, you know, there was so much momentum going with Clemson. And I'm not sure if they pushed, if Christopher would have ended up with Notre Dame, but Notre Dame seems to have a feel that no matter how long this gets elongated, that Dante Moore is going to pick them. Now you want to, and that's why I think it's playing out the way it is. Now you want to know what happens if it turns into weirdo recruiting, like a lot of recruiting does, and he picks somebody else. You know, they have two options. I think they can expand the board and go after somebody, either try to flip somebody else, somebody out of somebody's class that they hadn't been recruiting, or they could uh, get visits from quarterbacks who haven't committed yet and that they that they like. I think the most likely scenario is that they would double back to Jackson Arnold, who is committed to Oklahoma. From what I understand, and, and again, his feelings may have changed, had Notre Dame prioritized him over the other two, it's likely he would have committed to Notre Dame. He was ready to commit at that time, formed a great relationship with the Oklahoma coaching staff, Brett Venable's new staff. Um, but there's not a real good safety net here. And uh, so those are great questions without tremendous answers. But I do know Notre Dame remains confident no matter what, you know, Dante has thrown out there in terms of elongating the process. Yeah. And I mean, it seems clear to me that Notre Dame, part of Notre Dame's strategy is for more to believe that he's the one they want. So they don't want him to think that they're going after someone else right now. They want him to feel like he's the, the one they need him. Um, and they're, they're waiting for him to come to Notre Dame. Um, do I think that's necessary? Probably not. I mean, it seems like a, that isn't all that common um, in in recruiting, but I don't know Dante Moore well. I, to be frank, I, I've never talked to him in person. Um, so, so maybe that is a good read by Notre Dame staff. Um, but, uh, and, and I don't know that we would ever really know the answer to that um, from Dante. I, I still think Notre Dame's in a good spot, like you mentioned. Um, the plan Bs aren't really obvious at this point. I'm not really sure what, if there's, if there is a guy that they have their eye on that they haven't already offered, I'm not aware of that person currently. Um, but that doesn't mean there isn't a person that they, they would have in mind. I would imagine they have a plan B, but whether or not they want to reveal that um, at this point um, is part of their strategy. Um, Avery Johnson is someone that is also still uncommitted, um, was an early quarterback offer for Notre Dame. So they could try to circle back with him or Jackson Arnold, like you mentioned, or Christopher Vizina. We'll see how that plays out. I, I, I have my doubts that they could swing back around for Arnold and Vizina. Um, because like, if you go after someone new, you can say, Hey, we thought we were getting Dante more. Um, so we didn't offer you yet. Um, and uh, I think that, I mean, that's pretty transparent. I mean, that would be honest. Um and uh, so I think that's an easy spin, whereas the, other, the guys you were recruiting that maybe felt like they weren't being prioritized, I think that's harder for even if you say, well, we thought Dante was coming, so we put all our eggs in his basket. I think that's harder to sort of 
talk a kid out of. But if a kid loves Notre Dame, they're not going to care. I mean, if they want to come to Notre Dame, um, they'll they'll wait their turn. I mean, stranger things have happened. Notre Dame has poached quarterback recruits in the past. Now, obviously, uh, those recruits typically aren't to the level of Dante Moore's caliber, which is why people are getting nervous. They're, they're worried that if they don't get Dante Moore, they're going to get some scrub. Um, and that may be the case. We don't know. And if, they, if that is what happens, Notre Dame will have, I believe, sort of played its cards poorly. Um, but I think uh, I know this is sort of uh, testing the stomachs of, of Notre Dame fans and whether or not they can sort of sit this, this roller coaster out. But um, Notre Dame has its target in mind and wants to keep pushing for Dante Moore. And uh, I think if Dante Moore had to choose a day that he would pick Notre Dame. So I think that's about all you can really ask at this point. Next question is from Cheryl Russo at Cheryl R. Bunch of Numbers. Do you think Notre Dame will get any commits this week? Not in the 2023 class, I don't think, but in the 2022 class, I think they have a very good shot at Jabron Payne, who's announcing on Friday, the uh, running back from Indiana University who got out of his letter of intent. He's from Cincinnati, LaSalle High School, and uh, came and visited. He's also visited Kentucky, so it really seems to be down to those two schools. But I think Notre Dame, given the fact that there was a connection with Dylan McCullough, I think, and that Notre Dame had recruited him previously, I think that's a pretty good match. Yeah, I think uh, that will probably end up going Notre Dame's way on Friday. Um, and that should be it for this week. We'll see if that changes, but that's all I, I would be anticipating this week. But um, I think um, we will answer when the next question, what, what could be coming after that? Next question is from SJB75 from the Insider Lounge. Are there any 2023 recruits that you believe could verbally commit between now and April 24th, the day after the spring game? We know Braylon James's timeline. He's going to be committing next Tuesday, right, Tyler? Yeah, the 19th. And, and I think Notre Dame has a very good shot at Braylon James. I think that's kind of whatever the Ouija board or whatever people – call their future cast is that what ours is called future cast rivals yes we are future casters we are future casters i didn't know if we went for some kind of uh some kind of equipment so we just are just pretty playing it pretty straight there um and, and then guys that might commit right after the blue gold game i mean christian gray seems like he's been pretty close for a while he's coming up for the blue gold game uh, cornerback from the St. Louis area. You know, I wonder about Austin Saraville. He is an offensive lineman. He's down to his final three. And you wonder if the Notre Dame blue gold game is what's going to, you know, coax him into a decision. Now it could be a decision for a different school. Uh, it could be Ohio State. It, it would seem like that's an Ohio State Notre Dame battle. I also jotted down Sam Pendleton who really, um, I, don't, I don't think his timeline is going to move that fast, but Notre Dame seemed to make a big impression on him when he was up here in his visit last week. He's an offensive lineman from North Carolina, um, and you know maybe he would get eager and want to jump into the class uh, so that there's a spot for him because he's a guy that they offered later on and right. he may think, well, if a whole bunch of offensive linemen start committing, I wonder if they're 
be a spot for me. So I guess those are the guys that I, I jotted down. Tyler, you're plugged into this way more than I am. I think you cover most everything. I mean, Braylon James is the obvious one um, next week with him potentially committing to Notre Dame. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that there are any sort of stated timelines that would line up with someone uh, committing immediately after the blue gold game, but you never really know with, with a big visitors weekend like that. So um, they may that, get a 2024. Yeah. Yeah. They could start certainly get their first 2024 commitment at some point too. Um, although most of the attention has been given to the 2023 class, but they've been hosting a number of 2024 guys as well. So um, I, 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 I can sort of buy into the Pendleton thing. Christian Gray, uh, I know he's been interested in these, some of these other schools, but every time he keeps rescheduling another Notre Dame visit, it's just like, well, why, why does he keep coming up here if he doesn't, if he's not going to end up here? So um, I, I, I don't know if that turns out into a commitment immediately, but I think he's someone that could eventually end up committing to Notre Dame. So um, I think we're, we're sort of at the stage where it's like, because Notre Dame's sort of targeting, uh, I think it's like the, I don't know if it, it's like June 8th or 10th is the weekend in, in uh, June uh, that they're hoping to have a bunch of official visitors on campus. And so um, I think it's either get some commitments sort of now uh, and, and sort of sway these guys here at the end of April, whether or not they announce on the 23rd or the 24th or like decide that weekend and then announce a week later or whatever. Um, or then sort of that next wave would come after that, that June official visitor slate. Um, because a lot of these guys that haven't made decisions yet, they're, they're at the point where they can take official visits now. Um, so they may have just go ahead and start using those up. And I think, um, I think some people have, got, have gotten a little bit antsy because there haven't been, there hasn't been many commitments in a while um, after starting really hot and still maintaining the number one spot in the country. Um, but these kids, you got to remember, these kids didn't get to see these schools as underclassmen very much. Um, because of the COVID pandemic and the dead period that came with it. Um, so to me, it makes sense for these kids to take their official visits and use them up, um, even if they want to make sure that they have a decision um, before their senior season. They can still do that this summer because of the early official visits that are allowed. So um, I think uh, we might not be quite at that wave of commitments, but I think we're starting to trend toward that here um, later this month and then maybe into May or June. Next question is from Loyal Sun 2005 from the Insider Lounge. Are we going to see running backs filling in the slot to make up wide receiver numbers? Is this why Payne and his pass catching ability make sense? Also, are there any transfer portal wide receivers worth noting? Well, I, I certainly think um, there are running backs who fit that profile who, who could help in the slot. And I think even if Notre Dame had a full complement of wide receivers, the running backs would end up in the slot at times just because that's what Tommy likes to do. Um, he likes to put two backs in the huddle. And then uh, if there's a mismatch on defense, you could put slide Chris Tyree into the slot and he's going to be a bad matchup for anybody but a cornerback probably uh, if he's going deep. So I, I think that's a intermittent solution, but I think ultimately they would like to add from the portal. And 
you know, last I checked, there weren't a lot of great matches for Notre Dame in the portal. Remember, the underclassmen aren't as, I want to say they're not as attractive, but they're not as easy to be a match because of the transfer credits. But I think in the next two weeks, you're going to see the market change a lot. And I think there will be players in the next couple of weeks that, that are going to catch Notre Dame's eye. And again, I think they may even take more than one, but I, I think before they were looking for depth, I think now they are um, potentially looking for a, somebody to compete to start. Um, Harrison Wellman is still out there. That's the young man from John Hopkins that was a high school teammate of Brandon Joseph. And, um, but his offer is as a preferred walk-on who could turn that into a scholarship. So he's more of a depth piece for them. So, but I think in the next couple of weeks, if you ask the same question, we'll have a list for you. Yeah. Well, I don't want to make any promises on that, but <laughs> we'll, well see. Tyler will have a list for you. <laughs> um, it, it, like, I understand why people ask this. Because, I mean, you can't really train a wide uh, running back into an outside receiver. But if Avery Davis is healthy, he's your most experienced receiver, and that's his best position. So he's going to be playing in the slot. I don't know that you're going to – as long as he's healthy, you're not going to be taking a lot of snaps away from him to put a running back in the slot. Um, so I, I, I just don't – I don't see it being that much more of a, a weapon in the offense than it was last year. Now, maybe it will be if Chris Tyree is more healthy – um, or healthier uh, than he was in the middle of last season because he he just wasn't he wasn't healthy because of the uh, turf toe injury. Um, so if he can stay healthy, he's someone that is is natural out there as a slot receiver. Um, I think think some of those other guys can do that too. But I and I'm I'm not sure that I buy Jabron Payne as a slot receiver kind of guy. I, I'm not really sure. He's a very he's a mysterious character to me because of his injury history the last two years. Um, and I know he has, he's, he's been able to catch the ball, um, but I'm not sure that that means he's a slot receiver. I think Price probably fits that better than Payne does. Price good, but that's like it's tough. You're gonna you're gonna turn a freshman running back into a slot receiver when when he could be a really good running back in the future. I, so it's it's well, not permanently right, but it's putting a lot on his plate to try and learn both positions um, when he's when he's just a freshman. So I talked to him; he's pretty smart. <laughs> Oh, well, all right. Uh, we'll, we'll see if, uh, if that it becomes uh, an integral part of the offense, but I'd rather, if, if you're going to do that, I'd rather play two tight ends um, than, than play a running back in the slot personally. Here's the other thing. If everybody came back healthy and if Cozy and Jaden Thomas had great summers, they have enough bodies. But the thing is Notre Dame's history isn't that, that everything right. goes well with those receivers. No, so. yeah, I, yeah. The, the the problem, yeah. If everyone's healthy, there still are enough guys there. But when you when you don't have that many guys, you, the the risk you run is certainly um, extreme. If you if you get a couple more injuries, then you're then you're running out guys. And and I mean, I know no one's gonna want to hear. Well, they have Matt Salerno, but they do have Matt Salerno. He he, he can play in the slot. Um, I know he's not he's not gonna win the Blitnikoff, but. Um, if they're in a pinch, I think I'd almost probably rather have him out there in the slot than, than uh, Jabron Payne. But we'll see. I mean, I, any, any sort of conclusions on Jabron Payne are definitely um, 
probably un, uneducated because there's just so so little that he's been able to put together help in, in the last two seasons as a healthy running back. He, he's probably a guy that would redshirt, you would think, given how much he's missed the last couple of years with injuries. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't. I haven't been able to talk to him personally. I'm not sure how healthy he is currently, but I, uh, you'd hope that he can get start his career off on a, on a healthy note. Next question is from at Patrick Shields Zero. Thoughts on the quarterback battle? Does Pine have a chance? Is Buckner as good as advertised? I think Pine does have a chance. I do not think he will win it, but I do think he's played himself in the position where he's – not going to go away but this is the best case scenario for Notre Dame is that both of them made significant improvement because you know you want your number two to be really good given how much Tyler Buckner gets exposed in the running game to possible injuries well you want a a guy that can come in there and lead the team if if he goes uh because beyond those two it's a cliff to number three and uh so I think the one-two scenario is really good. Is Buckner as good as advertised? You know, how has he been advertised? I've, I've, I've hyped him a lot more than what his recruiting rating was because he was outside the top 100 because he didn't play as a senior. And his only year as a, um, as a high school quarterback was against overmatched competition. Now, he had you know, PlayStation numbers against those teams. But uh, so let's go on how I advertised him. I think he could be the best quarterback of the Brian Kelly era, potentially. I have not seen that ceiling yet, but I have seen a progress that makes me feel comfortable that he's on that trajectory. Yeah, and we we just haven't seen enough of practice to, to – feel like okay he's as good as advertised i don't i don't know that we just we just haven't seen we would be putting the faith in in uh what people are telling us behind the scenes um and i i, I don't really like to do that i'd like to be able to to make those judgments for myself i'm going to say well, he, as good as we and let's give an example of that so i'm sure that if if you looked at a lot of message boards and so forth everybody but junior tuliham tuli were the next really good linebackers, were the linebackers that were going to contribute right away. And guess who's ahead of all of them right now? It's junior. So when you rely on people behind the scenes, that's kind of what happens sometimes. Yeah. Um, I think Pine has a chance. I agree with you there. But if Tyler Buckner is protecting the football, as it sounds like he is, as Tommy Reese has described to us, then I don't think Drew Pine has much of a chance. Um Buckner is going to have to prove that he's as good as advertised, but if he's not making mistakes, um, I, the ceiling is just higher for him, I think. Um, and so that, that, that would be something that would level the playing field. I think if, if Tyler Buckner is being more careless with the football, um, but it doesn't seem like that's the case. Um, so I still think if Drew Pine is asked to play, he could have success, um, but they do bring different things to the offense. And I think what they'd like to get out of this offense would be best um, emphasized with Tyler Buckner at quarterback. Um, so I, there hasn't been anything this spring to create doubts in my mind, but there hasn't, we just haven't seen enough. Um, I, I'm, I'm very curious to see what the spring game looks like. I mean, that that's probably going to have, have more weight in my mind just because of the lack of true competitive reps that we've been able to see. 
Um, and hopefully we get to see a lot of them between the two of those guys. Next question from ND Bay on the entire lounge. What do you expect to see at the spring game? <laughs> Your guess for who the standout out of nowhere junior jabby type is this year. I'm going to go with Osita Iquanu. And I'm being ND Bay. That's not my take. Okay. So what's kind of interesting about this blue gold game is it, there's going to be a player draft. And so that's going to add a little bit of different element to it. I still think we're going to see mostly ones and twos in the first half, and then mostly threes in a running clock second half. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of vanilla. Uh, I still think there will be moments that are significant, and there's going to be moments that are uh, mirages, and that's just kind of the nature of the spring game. And so the Junior Jabby Award, see, the thing about Junior Jabby was he – rose to the occasion and then faded just as quickly. So I'm not predicting the fade part, but I think that you're onto something with a pass rusher being the surprise star of the spring game, because it is so easy to get sacks because if you breathe on the quarterback and are within six inches, it seems like those are called sacks. And given the fact that a lot of the backups are going to play, I mean, it could be Josh Burnham. And I think Josh Burnham is going to be a heck of a player. Aiden Gobira, uh, Aceto Aquano. I mean, you're you're on the right track with, with that thinking, I, I would guess. And to follow up on that, for folks who have not been following the Insider Lounge or um, our reports and stories, Joshua Burnham has been playing uh, some of the Viper positions. So that's why uh, Eric mentioned him as a pass rusher there. In case anyone was like, wait a minute, what's he talking about? Um, what are you talking about, Willis? I, I think there's going to be some physical play. I think we've seen that this spring in the glimpses that we've, we've had. Um, that's something that is being emphasized. Now, obviously, it's not going to be with the quarterbacks, like you mentioned, but I do think we'll see some physical play. I think the defense is going to have the advantage because the depth is better on the defensive side um, currently. Uh, I know we talked to Cam Hart today and he, he said something, I asked him about Al Golden's defense and what, what, what that's going to look like and what, what stood out to him. He's like, I think, I, I don't think offenses are going to know what's coming. And I was going to say, neither do I, because <laughs> <laughs> it seems like, uh, the way they talk about so many things, it feels like there's a lot of things that maybe they don't necessarily even want us to know about. Um, so well, there's a blind date element to it for Ohio state, the more that right. quiet. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's all intentional. I'm sure. Um, so like you said, the, the vanilla, the defense will be vanilla, but I do think the depth is there, um, to, to, to make the defense have a better performance. Um, I would expect very little Michael Mayer, uh, keep him healthy. <laughs> you don't need to see anything from Michael Mayer in the blue gold game. We know what he can do. Uh, so let the other tight ends get some run, but there aren't a lot of tight ends either. So he'll have to play a little bit, I would imagine. Um, for my out of nowhere, junior jabby standout, I'm going to go with uh, wide receiver Connor Radigan. He's had a couple of nice plays in spring practice. Um, and I don't think that's someone that anyone's thinking about. Certainly we're, we're thinking about, okay, who, who, who can step up on the receivers, but I think he'll have a chance to make some plays in the blue gold game and, He's good enough to do that against some of the backups that he, he would be playing against. So I think uh, Connor Radigan is, is my pick for the junior jabby type this year. Next question is from Mike D. Rochester from the Insider Lounge. Kane Madden was a disappointment last season. 
after being second team All-American. Chris Smith played against non-Power 5 competition like Madden, Chris Smith being the Harvard grad transfer that Notre Dame received a commitment from. Should we be concerned, even though Smith isn't coming in with expectations to be a starter? You know, um, Pro Football Focus was one of the groups that was pretty high on Madden pre-Notre uh, Dame in terms of his play. So I asked Mike Renner, who's their lead draft analyst, what, what happened with him? Why did he not have a better year at Notre Dame? And he said his assessment was that Cade Madden was a kid that really turned himself into a great technician at Marshall. Remember, he walked on at Marshall. He wasn't recruited there. Um, and his technique was so good, you know, the hope was that that would completely translate to Notre Dame. The problem was uh, Kane Madden was not an elite athlete. He wasn't even an average athlete for a guy that was so good technically. And you could see that in his pro day numbers. His 40 time is the, I've been charting them for every player uh, since the 2010 pro day and 2010 combine. And his was the slowest 40 time and his other measurables were not very good either. So you have a below average athlete with with tremendous technical skill. Now let's look at Chris Smith. Chris Smith, you know, I haven't seen much of him. I've seen a few highlights of him. Um, he, to me, is probably a guy that's more of a late bloomer. Come out of high school, he was an edge guy that ended up putting on weight, moving inside, and still having some quickness. Uh, you know, at and Kane Madden was, you know, asked to come in and start. You know, Chris Smith is not going to be asked to do that. He's going to be asked to be Aiden Kiana Ina, who's the player that they lost. You know, he won't have to be Jacob Lacey or Howard Cross. So um, I think if you're looking for a guy that's a really good rotation guy, I think that's where probably your expectations where you should set them. And if you get more out of that, then, you know, so be it. I think I feel like I remember I, I don't remember when exactly Kane Madden committed to Notre Dame, but I feel like people were June. Like how, how high in the NFL draft he would go uh, comparing him like, would he go earlier than Aaron back Aaron Banks in the NFL draft? I said that. No, no, not you. No, no, no. I think I think we were asked those questions on the podcast. Um, and uh, one of the things I distinctly was saying is like he doesn't have those athletic traits that they're looking for in the NFL, so I don't see that. Uh, I certainly expected him to play better than he did last season, um, but uh, it's kind of interesting to see. Um, so I think it's – I think Mike has the right instinct to be, okay, we should be a little bit cautious here though, for someone that's coming in from a different level um, and what sort of impact they can make. But like you said, the impact – that Chris Smith will be asked to make isn't as big as what Kane Madden was asked to make last season. And they, they needed Kane Madden um, last year, whereas Chris Smith is more of a luxury than a, than a necessity, at least in my opinion. Uh, next question is from the Insider Lounge. RRH1 asks, who are the, be the basketball players in the portal that Mike Bray has reached out to? I know that that's a long list and Tyler's on top of it. So I'm going to pass the ball to Tyler. Well, I don't know that I would say that I'm on top of it, but I did put together some names that I've seen uh, connected. This is not something that I 
personally have been tracking myself. It's just too hard to sort of keep track of all the different people they're reaching out to. And I don't even know. So like reaching out to and having meaningful, meaningful conversations are probably different things to not probably they are different things. Um, and so a lot of this process is to find out, okay, is this kid, it, can we get him into Notre Dame if he's not a graduate student? Um, and uh, so these are some of the people that I've seen connected to Notre Dame. Um, Wright State for Grant Basile, who I think we may have discussed on the podcast previously, or at least I've mentioned on the, the board before. Dickie V was actually the first one that brought my, brought that to my attention. Um, Nevada forward Warren Washington, Jake Lieberman reported that. Notre Dame had been in touch with him. Jake Lieberman also had reported that Notre Dame was in touch with Bellarmine guard Dylan Penn, who's uh, originally from Evansville, I believe. Um, Illinois guard Andre Curbelo was someone that has reportedly had contact by Notre Dame. Andrew Slater reported that. That one seems a bit unlikely to me, but who knows? I mean, I wouldn't rule anything out. But um, And another one was Colorado guard Keyshawn. Barth Bartholomew. I'm not exactly sure how you say his last name. Um, and John Rothstein of CBS Sports reported that. So those are some of the names. There's much more name. There's there are many more names than that. There are a few that Notre Dame reached out to that have already committed somewhere else. So I I excluded them from this this list because that seemed sort of pointless. Um, so those are some names. I don't know. I I think Grant Basile is someone to keep an eye on for sure. Um, and I'm not sure where Notre Dame is at with those other guys. And if that, th those are realistic guys. And I'm sure there, are, like I've said, there's other guys that I'm not mentioning here that Notre Dame has been in touch with and we'll see how that continues to develop. It's, it's really hard to sort of try and track that while we're <laughs> knee deep in football recruiting and, and spring football. Um, so I, I don't know if any of this will be resolved before the blue gold game. Um, but I, I, I personally want to try and spend some more time looking into that stuff uh, once we get clear spring football here. So. We will see. I mean, we're still waiting to see who's all coming back for, for on Notre Dame's current roster, um, and hopefully we get some more of the, that news coming soon because I think uh, there's a couple of those decisions that we'll probably hear from sooner rather than later. Next question is from at IrishFan102. What's the latest on Blake Wesley? Has he departed the university and hired an agent? I know it's a long shot, but I'm curious if there is a chance he still returns. Tyler? Um, I, I haven't heard anything regarding Wesley yet. I, I, he seemed pretty certain in wanting to stay in the draft, um, but we'll see. I, I, I Usually if a player signs with an agent, word tends to get out about that, and I haven't seen anything about that. Now maybe they're keeping that quiet for some reason, but um, the agent usually wants that to be known a bit too. So um, I'm a bit of an NBA draft amateur at this point, so um, we'll have to wait and see. I think I would be – more surprised than not if Blake Wesley came back. I don't know if that makes sense, if, that, if that's clear, but I, I would lean towards Blake Wesley not coming back um, than, than coming back at this point. Next question is from at Marty Glindo one. Any word on the end of the Under Armour deal and if Notre Dame will change outfitters? Well, that's come up a lot in different places. Uh, and I think it's because of the list Frank injury <laughs> to Joe Wilkins Jr. I, I mean, I, I certainly think Notre Dame will be open to it. Under Armour is not the um, hot property that it was when Notre Dame signed the deal. I think there's been some disappointment in that Under Armour sort of promised that a big part of this deal would be 
that they would be on the leading edge of sports science. And I don't think that that's happened. Um, but, you know, they'll have to see what else is out there, what other kind of offers they can get. But I think that's certainly a possibility. I just don't know the probability of that. Yeah. Yeah. There hasn't been any indication either way. The contract is the original contract was scheduled to expire July, 2024. Um, and there hasn't been an extension announced yet. So we will see what comes of that. Um, I don't really know that I have a prediction either way, what will happen. I, I'm not, I'm not tapped into the, uh, the apparel uh, <laughs> insiders. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we'll, we'll I, I think some of some of the stuff is like, I don't know how much truth there is to Under Armour being an inferior product um, and causing injuries. I, I think uh, usually that people assume those kinds of things because they just have no context of what other teams are dealing with. Um, I don't know that I would say Joe Wilkins Jr., who's, who has been injury prone in his career, having a foot injury uh, means that Under Armour needs to go. Um, so uh, um, I understand why people want other other brands. Uh, I'm sure there's pros and cons with all of them. I, I don't get the sense that it moves the Dino that much. I mean, the Jordan brand has certainly become kind of a big thing in, in college football. Um, Michigan has it, Florida has it, and it makes for cool pictures, but um, I don't know that it's necessarily winning recruiting battles for Michigan or Florida. Um, so, uh, I mean, we used to, we used to sort of quiz not quiz them. They used to ask players what they preferred under Armour, Adidas or Nike, just in a, in a general sense, like what, what they preferred. And they were varied answers. It wasn't like all Nike. Um, it wasn't like we never heard anyone say under armor either. So um, I think uh, as long as they're making things that the kids like, um, and I think most people, um, maybe not the cleats. I think, I think the cleats are probably the thing that people um, aren't, I mean, it's just, they're just not well known for their cleats. This is not what Under Armour has been traditionally. Um, so that that's the one area, but you can't, you can't, you can't have Under Armour jerseys and, and Nike cleats. It's not, that's not going to fly. All right. Last question at clutch sports ND, which new or old assistant coach has been the most fun to interview? Oh gosh, it's not fair. Um, I just was looking so forward to Harry. He stand coming back and, and, you know, Harry's not known for, you know, wanting to do a lot of media. I think he's enjoying it more this time around. And, you know, when there's somebody that's as good as there is at what he does at the college level, that's kind of, you know, super interesting to me. And I'm an offensive line nerd anyways, uh, just because I think it's just such a fascinating position group and that Notre Dame fans appreciate it so much and know so much about it. But I would say of the new, new people, I was uh, had high expectations for Dylan McCullough, and he filled them. But all these guys have been really interesting. And I should mention that we haven't had a chance to talk to Jared Parker yet. He's the one coach that's still up for us. We have him Thursday. But all of them have been terrific. But I don't want to you know, weenie out and say, oh, they're all tied. Uh, so I'll answer your question. Yeah, uh, we did get a chance to talk to Jared when he was first hired, and I, sp I spoke right. to him that day. Right. 
Um, but we have he hasn't made made it through to the spring practice circuit. Yeah, and he's he's upcoming. We'll get a t- chance to talk to him soon. So, um, when I when the, with the word fun, the people that I associated that with were Al Washington and Chancey Stuckey. I feel like those guys have been fun to talk to. Um, Chancey, maybe more in his first press ca- or media availability right after he's hired. He was having some fun that day. And, and, and Al Washington, to be frank, I think both of those interviews uh, were really interesting to me on those first days. I think they've sort of uh, gotten back into coach mode a little bit more when we talk to them after practices. Um, but talking to them has been fun. And I, I've I've always liked talking to Chris O'Leary, too. I think he's someone who's fun to talk yeah. to. He's very he's very honest and he seems very genuine with what he's telling you. And uh, I don't think he's not like throwing guys in the bus, but he'll be pretty frank about where guys stand. Yeah is and what he needs to improve and stuff like that so that's that's always fun to me um to interview. i actually uh, and to be fair to harry Eastan, eric has been interviewing him so i haven't been in, taking part in those interviews so i can't say that he, he hasn't been fun i just have not been, i have been hogging him to myself <laughs> i haven't been partaking in the harry Eastan interviews all right that's it for today's episode of the inside nd sports podcast if you don't already you can subscribe to us on apple Podcasts, spotify google podcast and other popular podcast platforms if you like what you hear give us a star rating leave a review and share our podcast feed with a friend we'll be back next week with another podcast before the blue gold game until then stick with inside for all your Notre Dame coverage needs 